0: Hiccups can happen and that's okay. That's all part of the journey. It's about learning. If you don't learn, how are you gonna progress to the next one? There's always something that might happen, but it's okay to keep an open mind and just make sure the numbers are stacking up.
1: You're happy to back commercial provident. Yeah, 100%. I always saying that, the- moment to fear commercial is when rents start dropping that's your your gauge
0: i think this is something that hasn't changed since we started rethink investing in general we believe in what we do we're not going to lie when we will tell you as it is which is really a nice thing we will advise we'll help and we want to see you succeed at the end of the day
1: are you finding this podcast enjoyable but looking to enhance your commercial education Well, we've created an innovative online course that offers comprehensive content. With over 50 lessons available on demand, you can delve deeper into the subject matter. Additionally, you will gain exclusive access to the valuable online community where you can connect with industry experts. For more information, please visit rethinkcommercialeducation.com.au.
2: Hi everyone, how you going? Phil here. I'm the host of Inside Commercial Property. I'm actually the co-host. I think I've been relegated today because uh, it's a very special uh, edition. I've got two guests uh, in our studio here today. So a bit of a difference to how you might be used to tuning in on the audio on Inside Commercial Property. And for those of you who are tuned in, wherever we are on the internet, YouTube and elsewhere, no doubt across all the social channels, actually have the founders of Rethink Investing joining me on this very special addition Mina and Scott O'Neill you might know Scott we chat every month about all things commercial property but it sounds like today I've got the brains trusted this outfit here Mina O'Neill I'm gonna go behind the scenes of how these two have built not only a significant or very substantial commercial property portfolio but have helped over three and a half thousand Australians also achieve that three billion dollars in property purchased under the auspices of rethink investing gang how you going you well
0: yeah, very well.
2: That's good. So I speak to you all the time, Scott, so I'm probably going to give you a little bit less <laughs> well, I don't know what's going on. You've been hiding, Nina, from from, uh, from us and our listeners for, for many, many years now. We've been recording uh, this particular podcast. From what I understand, and I've read the book and here it is here, Rethink Property Investing. This is the second installment of it, so it's been updated. Um, myself and Scott, if you go back and tune in, a couple of years ago, we broke this book down and went through every single chapter as we... We're in the depths of the COVID pandemic. It's been uh, rewritten, reissued. Uh, Life after COVID, markets have changed, interest rates have changed, uh, and a lot around commercial property is changing. So we're going to get to the base of it today, understand what the differences are in the book. You can go get the book. It's in all good book shops, I'm told. Uh, And also you can get online, rethinkinvesting.com.au. But I want to know what's different, but I want to know what's different with these two as well. So uh, I'm talking to camera right now. For those of you online, you'll see that. But for those of you who are just tuning in, on our usual podcast channel rethink probably investing with inside commercial property tune in remember there's hundreds now of other episodes that were recorded uh, right across this platform so i hope you do enjoy you guys have been out about the last couple of months or so rethinking what's next for your business Mean i'm reading a book that you started off sleeping on a, a mattress in a family home somewhere trying to build out this particular company, yeah. now there's Rethink pretty much everything. And I personally use Rethink myself for some commercial uh, property purchase and also use your your legal arm. This expansion continues. You must enjoy what you
0: do. Definitely do. And uh, I mean, every day is a new experience, which is why we love doing what we do. You know, um, and every day as we go ahead, you know, there's always new things that happen. Like you said, you know, change in the market, you know, COVID-19, everything's changed as we go forward. There's always new experiences to I guess to learn from. And at the same time, you know it's nice to be able to um I guess try and enjoy it as well a little bit occasionally here or there. so yeah, it's been very a very amazing journey
2: so so Fran, your philosophy as in what you do, are you a commercial property investor that also helps other co- people invest in commercial property through rethink or you're a business person first now, and the uh, your own personal portfolio is a secondary thing?
0: I think funny enough, I'd say i th- I'd say my personal portfolio is actually my number one priority now. So I've kind of diverged a lot, which is great. Um, So for myself personally, I, so obviously myself and Scott built, you know, Rethink Investing together. We were, you know, on a mattress on the floor, like you said before, and we decided to, you know, expand. And as we were expanding, you know, we kind of went, well, look, our portfolio is big enough now to operate as a single business as itself. So. We kind of did the split in that respect so he does the rethink investing and i do the property portfolio and it's great because it's a great different challenge you can grow it in different ways and you can learn again with every experience that comes along the way so obviously starting in residential and then moving into commercial and now it's based mostly commercial which is very exciting with you know land you know next to properties when you can do developments and there's just a whole bunch of things you can kinda of do now. So
2: it's really cool. It's beautiful. And I don't want to give too much away what's in the book because yeah. I want to go and buy it. It's a good read and uh, I've probably got one of the first copies. You haven't signed it yet. So you <laughs> have to sign it before I leave. Um, um so it sounds like you you guys sort of get scale in your relationship and the utility of that. And I'm, I'm saying relationship is <laughs> the utility, but you you stay in the lane. So you're concentrating on 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 driving, and yep. administering um uh you know ensuring that the personal commercial portfolio continues to grow and deliver which is very much the the origin journey and scott is is driving the rethink uh, business how do you how did probably a personal question but i'm allowed to ask this question how, how do you guys sort of talk business and, and reconcile between we're talking business now and now we're talking family is that have you yeah. a good
0: cadence for that funny enough you say that you know we it, it is it is something we have had to work on you know in a number of years you know and which is why you know when we come home we kind of go okay work time stop let's talk about family we try to switch off which is great but at the same time you know when it comes to you know scott wanting to know you know a few little things that he might go you know what's your your opinion on this i'll go well this is my opinion but if you don't want to go ahead with it that's totally fine so we diverge it which is really good and we try to stay in each other out of each other's lanes too much now which means we can actually drive each section of what we are doing properly and develop it as we go as well. So we tried to keep those separate. Otherwise, I think we'd kill each other. <laughs> it's
2: good. It's nice to have, you know, you got a bit of fun. And yeah. sometimes, I'm not going to say intention, but, you know, being able to have a, a and I find this, whether it's personal relations or business relationship, a, a level of respect where you can actually yeah. debate something without any bias or agenda, other than trying to make the best decision. Look, And you struggle with that. Yeah. I think particularly commercial property investors aren't need to be comfortable with being able to have those discussions, whether it's with their buyer's agent or their mortgage broker or their bank, yep. whoever it is, right? Um, just having that liberal maturity and that's how you excel. So, so give me a sense of the portfolio top line again. I don't want to go into too much because mm-hmm. it's all in the book, um, but it's quite a large portfolio.
0: Yeah, it is quite a large portfolio now. I mean, we've got a variety of commercial as well as residential, predominantly res- um, commercial at the moment. And there's lots of, you know, areas to fix up. I mean, to be honest, and I'm being completely honest now, about, about a year and a half to two years ago, it was an absolute chaotic portfolio. It was not managed correctly. It, I didn't know what was happening, where things were flowing, how things were working, which managers were on what, you know, what corrections had to be ha- ha- happening. Certain things, for example, like, you know, income, p ls all that stuff, nothing was managed. Now it's flowed into Making sure that it's not cha- not chaotic. So I literally had to sit down. So having to have that, you know, divergence and being able to dissect it properly. That's my major, most important, I guess, thing to talk about. I guess today. So it's went went from chaos to being a very organised structure today.
2: And I imagine you feel a lot better. Out there. And, I that and, and I Oh, exactly the same. And it, should we buy portfolio? Because you know, oh, I've got to apologise bothered. Yep. Or I'm, I'm sick of it with yeah for Scott. And we just go, I just don't want to deal with it. But fundamentally it's a good portfolio. So if I neglect it a little bit, mm. it's okay. Yep. But you get a lot of satisfaction when you do actually regain control. And, yep. and so you know I've sold oh, a bunch of stuff recently purely because yep. I'm just sick of having too many properties. Sounds like a real first world exactly. problem. But know, Yeah.
0: And and that's the exactly it, you know, um and this is why, you know, at the start when I said to Scott, you know, we need to actually sit down properly and look at this portfolio, see what's working, what's not working. You know, where are we getting good income? Where are we not getting good income? Managing it correctly, like as if it's a business and actually structuring it in the same way. As say, for example, Rethink would operate for our clients. That's the same thing in that respect. So making sure that, you know, We've got the right people on the ground. So I found that was probably one of the most difficult aspects of managing these properties when you don't have the correct people on the ground to help you understand what's actually going on physically there. You know, finding out, you know, why certain, you know, incomes should be raised high. Why have things not been raised correctly? Why haven't the increases gone through? All that stuff was actually missed and we actually missed a lot of, we didn't budget correctly to be able to know how much you know, our commercial property should be earning in reality. So sitting down and actually dissecting everything and going, okay, how are we going to structure this? How's it going to be maximum effect of how much income we can get and making sure that we have the right people on the ground to help us make it happen. So I actually recently, um, had a, a property assistant hired to actually help me do this. So I'm literally looking at it like a business, like a functioning entity producing, you know, having losses, having production of, of income, everything, just to make sure that everything's flowing correctly.
2: You, you've got to do it. You've got to figure it like a business, yeah. and that comes through absolutely in the book. And yeah. no doubt when you're working on the re side of things with clients, is having the understanding. A lot of people think probably is a great investment because yep. you buy it and it just goes up in value, and they think it's very passive, but it's not. It's hugely active investment. You've got to be on it and across it all the time because if you don't do that, not only do you find yourself solving problems, but you don't make less money at a P&L level. And most people I know, they might enjoy investing in property, but most people want to make a buck out of it for the purpose of giving choice in time, and therefore a comfortable retirement. So what property, for you personally, is there a property in your past somewhere you've always been connecting in with it? Is it an motive connection? Um, as
0: in an emotional connection to a property? Yeah. So I guess, for a, funny enough, you say that, I don't emotionally connect to them that much. And I'll be completely honest, some of them I really like to see them develop and become, you know, a really great entity of functionality and making sure the problems that have happened and bad tendencies go out and good tendencies come in. But it's, I actually think that I don't have a connection and that's how I see these properties. They are a, an engine, you know, of, oh, I guess wealth in that respect. And, you know, I treat it like that because I don't want to get that emotional connection too much to it like them. My biggest baby would probably be the build that we're doing here now. So that's more of an emotional connection. But, and that's been a completely different journey. Exactly, you know, and it's, you know, knock down, rebuild from scratch essentially. And it's a completely different ball game to, you know, being able to have a structured feeling and more of a non-personal feeling to a commercial property because I see it as an income in that respect. So I'm very professional, like a business in that respect.
2: So you're obviously passionate about property. So is the passion about the outcome and and, and what it delivers to you? Is that where, that's what I'm hearing?
0: Yes. I like to see the result, you know, of such hard work for so long and periods. I mean, you know, when you buy a property, there's always going to be a great property and you can see all the, you know, numbers stack up and everything's correctly. And, you know, this is the reason why you buy it. And this is why you get excited for it at the start. But, you know, along the way, you know, you've also got hiccups here or there. You know, and that's the fun bit, I find, because once you get over those hiccups and you've got, you know, good solutions with good, you know, um, whether you've got good brokers and solicitors and, you know, there's a lot of different factors along the way of them, like remortgaging them, you know, to make sure certain things are coming out better in your rates or whether it's all that manoeuvring around to make...
2: There's a lot to deal with. You yeah. Know, and and uh, you better accept if you're investing in property that you're going to get a lot of problems, but yep. say you have a philosophy towards resolving problems and yep. it sounds therefore... Yep. And also that's where your passion is, is Definitely. that you like, a, like a challenge and you like to resolve it. We've sort of got a challenge in Scott here. but <laughs> you know it's quite funny with podcasts, you chat had a around all that relationships yeah. <laughs> I know, And has got quite well. But Scott, you, you kicked off sort of twenty three years old, uh, investing in property. That was together. Did you start this property journey
1: yeah we were at the same time? We were together at yeah. the same time. Like it was very early on in the relationship. So um it was my individual purchase, but like I brought Mina along to that, you know, crappy old fibro house on the <laughs> highway, and this is Sutherland, right? Southern, yeah. And and I just said, oh, what do you think? And I expected her to say, yeah, this this is hideous, this thing. But um, but they, it had a granny flat at back, and you know, she asked, well, what are the numbers? And it produced about two hundred, two hundred bucks a week net, so ten k a year. And to us at the time, that was like a European holiday free. You know, it's like why not? You know. Would we buy a unit in the same, you know, suburb and negatively gear it or buy this and have land and, you know, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's really just the outcome, like Mina said. And so I knew she got it day one. And that's why probably as a relationship we've invested very well because we didn't prioritize the family home until we purchased 20 plus houses. So delaying that family home, being rent investors was probably key to where we got today like because if we just loaded up with a big principal place of residence loan at the start we would have been tapped out you know half a you know half a decade early which would have made a big difference in the end so yeah investing to the strategy from day one like relentlessly without um you know diverging the path that that was key i mean well it's not tracing the the typical norm
2: that people think there's a germ there should be one and yeah you know, still exists in australia that yeah. yeah. Supposed to buy a, you know, a house in the suburbs of the one pick a fence, right? And yeah, it's it's bucking the trend. But I know you come from a family. Um, uh, your parents invested, but you know, in the eighties and probably nineties, when everyone was chasing uh, negative cash flow for the purpose of tax. So yeah. it sounds as though, and it comes pretty clear through the book that from that very first probably in purchase, you're all about positive cash flow rather than you know making a loss to to save yourself thirty cents. That thanks, man.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, look, we've seen that, you know, asset rich cash flow poor situation, um, where, you, you know, you can spend your whole life feeling like, you're not, you are know, wealthy at all, but you've got these assets and it, to me, it seemed a little bit backward. You know, you, you don't want to just live for now. That's, that's a short-sighted notion, but you've got to be smart and you can't only live for tomorrow as well. And that strategy, it kind of works back, you know, my parents age groups when, you know, it was five times the average income. By the average house but what are we talking now like 14 15 times Right? you don't negatively gear that if you do that you've got a death sentence with debt so you know you've got to invest differently especially people in you know starting out now like you know the next generation you you almost have to give up in some circumstances with that family home and you've got to then you know go down to this more affordable way of investing which you know by default will give you better cash flow so it's kind of win-win it gets you in earlier in a better cash flow situation and, you know, rather than, uh, you know, just giving up on property ownership. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really funny how you frame it because, uh,
2: there's still an entitlement in Australia that everyone should be able to afford and own their own ounce, right? Mm-hmm. And, and let's be clear, it is available to most Australians. You might not necessarily be able to do it in Sydney and Melbourne, All right. So it's a mindset shift, shit. Um, but a lot of people think. That they have to compromise that dream by going down a pathway that, that you spoke about. Did you guys think that you had to give up anything in order to to sort of build out this portfolio? You said you know you didn't have the family home, probably want it, but you know, my view is well, the opposite. I, I call it strategic patience. You know, yeah. you, you you spend that time investing smartly when you can, probably without some of the trappings of responsibility that you have when you get a little bit older. Yeah, your family home's probably a better one at the end of the game.
1: For sure. But we gave up on lifestyle. Like we were, I was chasing whatever job paid better, you know, whether it was in, uh, you know, an hour and a half away from Sydney and I drove every day, six day week jobs. Um, we moved to Port Macquarie for years, you know, I mean, I had to leave her job. We left family and friends just because that job paid 30 grand more type of thing. So that it was a means to an end. And we were squirrelling away every bit we could into property. So we were redlining. Like, yeah, as I was it you? Was it, you know, who was sort of there going?
0: I think I'm a bit more. I don't know. I think, to be honest, I think we're pretty even pretty in that respect. I've always, I mean, my family background, you know, with my dad and both my mum and my dad, we're not the most wealthiest families at all, you know. My dad lived in one room, you know, um, with 12 siblings, so a big family. And, you know, they always were savers. They're like, they used to call them little aunts, you know. To save, 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 and make sure that you have something for your future. So, like, it's that notion has always been in me, and even till today. Yeah.
2: So, do you think you know this journey that you've been on together with property and also with business? Have, have you had to change your mindsets along the way, um, or you're largely the same, but you're just executing it differently? And, and that's both in the business and your personal lives. So how has that evolved? But,
0: well, I guess, for, and, you know, if I could speak for personal lives, you know, as you, I think, you know, everyone changes what they want as a goal set as they, as they get older, you know, so your your priorities change and things diverge a bit and you want different things and, and as the market changes around you and your situation or, you know, surroundings change, that makes a, makes it a huge influence on what you want future-wise as well. I mean, you know, originally when we first started, I really wanted, you know, The freedom of travel, you know, and that's, you know, to gain that time back for myself because, you know, I had a background of seeing my mum not being able to do any of that because she was always so sick and she just wanted time and life to live and enjoy. So I learned from that a lot. So for me at the starting point, that's personally for our personal life, that's why investing was important to me. And I said to myself, you know, if I can see the income and, and what happens after all the expenses are taken out and what I've got to live off, I can replace an income one day. That's perfect because that's what I want to do to gain my time back with family and friends that I actually want to spend time with. And I guess as you get older, you know, things change. You know, you, you want your family home, you know, you want to be able to have quality time with people yet again around you. But, you know, now it's also my daughter, so I want to, you know, have that, you know, understanding of, you know, value for money and be able to teach her and have the time to teach her there. So as things evolve, it's just, you know, comfortability later on, you know, and now it's more so enjoying what you do. So I enjoy what I do now, you know, and want to open up a computer, not, you know, have to open up a computer now, which is a real something really special, I think, about something that. Nice.
2: Yeah. Nice about that. Yeah. And, and you know, most I, I know a lot of property investors, and I know a lot of property investors are very large portfolios and you know, once they get on that train, they they continue to evolve and their uh, their vision gets a lot more expansive. Yeah. And you talk about mindset shifts in books, Scott. Uh, it says that you were essentially, the are in Greece, and uh, you could retire. And mm-hmm. you sort of sat there and went, "Hang on, is this is <laughs> this really what what we want? Um, how you know? Did do, did do, do, do you uh, do you still have those inflection points where now you've created so much more? And you probably could stop and smell the roses and you know spend your time on the beach. Um, but you obviously get something really connected in with the, the growth of the rethink business. And you know, when's mm-hmm.
1: enough enough, mate?" Well, look. Even three hours on that beach, I'm on board yeah. as well. So it's like, what's next? And I'm well, like, you know, because we're in Greece for three. And you see, these are highly
2: successful people. Yeah, they get they get to where they want to go, and they go, what next? Yes, this is why. Um, well, people always ask me, when are you retiring, Phil? i will like never going retire. I'm to yeah. be doing something. I don't have to. It's just built sure. it in, you know, to, to me psychologically. Yeah. So
1: yeah, look, it's been almost since the start we started rethink because we were in a good financial position back then and rethink was almost a, a hobby on the side so the two initial things were number one to stay just connected to the market wanted to understand and, and second was just like the thrill of the deal like you know negotiating properties and it didn't matter if it was for me or for a client or for a friend it was it's all the same so that I, and that's why i'm still so like hands-on with the business you know negotiating multiple deals per day for clients and I actually prefer it now for clients than myself because it when it's for myself it's like you know it's then got to be there's all that back work you've got to do to own it and um, you know all that stuff but now it's really um it's about the business and the brand that's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning we're just really there to I don't know leave a legacy now and um You know, it's got nothing to do with P&Ls anymore. It's really to do with how many people can we influence to consider what we think is a better asset class. And we feel like we're sort of the first people properly doing this in the country, like bringing commercial property to the mums and dads of Australia. And, you know, there's plenty of fund managers buying towers in the city, but there's really not not many people there helping everyday people buy good commercial investments. Uh, Because I know when we started, there was no books out there. You know i remember googling what to do and all i got was american articles you know there's so it's it's an early sort of you know you know we're disruptors in the industry a little bit so i think that's kind of what we want to keep flowing through and yeah that's what's exciting so yeah and, and yeah you know, i completely agree with you and
2: i know one of the catalysts of us creating this podcast was how do you educate australian investors around yeah. alternatives to residential property it's where we started uh, we've been doing this now for for well over two years and you yeah. know that will continue but I think just by you know having this mechanism of, of education and influence, how many more people now consider commercial property investing and it comes really clear through the book that you've got a passion for educating Australians mm-hmm. around commercial
1: property for the next, I think you said a couple of decades or something. You, know? yeah. you, you care. Like, why do you care so much? Dog. Honestly, just the great results. Like we, we build really good connections with our clients. So our clients are you know, lifelong and, uh, and that's for all the people that work with us. We had a meeting yesterday with our staff and just talking like what's the why of the business and it's to build lifelong relationships and and with that you it's got to be built on trust it's got to be built on results it's got to be built on good service it's you know that's what we're striving to as a business and and that's how you know we will then grow to that next level brand you know that you know we we don't want to be viewed as just buyers agents we want to be viewed as kind of like you know up there with one of the best brands in the country and um I think we're we've got the right product you know we're we're gifted commercial property when you do it right it you know the results speak for itself so we're going to do something different and that's you know all of the above and um and I, i know with my clients you know many of them work for us now you know some they're fully retired their lives have been changed some of them were wealthy to start with and they've just now got comfortability that their money's parked in a good asset yeah so there's all different levels, from entry level to the guys that have, you know, got multi, you know, you know, eight-figure portfolios. It's it doesn't matter. If it's all the same to us. So yeah, it's uh, exciting, and that's what we'll, like I said, keep doing for decades. Yeah.
2: And the the privilege of putting is there You have a, a large portfolio, um, which transition from being residential heavy to commercially heavy, um, with, which is great. Uh, can you do that today though? Uh, it's a very different market. It's a very different lending environment. Uh, it, it's great that you're, you're expanding uh, mindset towards education, towards commercial property, and more Australian investors uh, considering as a gateway for for wealth creation. Can you emulate what you've done in this market?
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. If anything, it'll be comparably easier in commercial than residential because the yields have just got squeezed so much more in residential. The yields are still good in commercial. So, we've since you know 2018 when APRA change lending rules. Residential, I think, large portfolios, it did stop at that point. You can still build a big residential portfolio. We all know that, but it's a lot harder. You've got to set up different entities. It costs more. You've got to put more equity in. Like It's not just that kind of rinse and repeat dump equity scenario that many pre-2018 did very well off. Um, and it's also a, a house of cards situation. If you just build debt on debt on debt without the income covering enough you know enough multiples of the debt you know if something goes wrong or there's a change in the economy um, yeah people get unstuck and higher interest rates are a good example there's a lot of stock starting to hit the market because people are hurting commercial investors um, you know if you look at what Ray White produced uh, a report they're saying on the insto level stock is 70 percent down so when the economy hurts those wealthy individuals basically just hold property because they've got all these other assets they can flog off, or they've got large, you know, you know, equity piles, so they don't they don't need to be forced to sell. They'll just hold and wait for the rainy day to pass. Um, but residential, you you can get caught out if you're doing ninety percent loans and p- pulling equity out. So it's okay to start that way, but not necessarily where you want to end. Exactly, and and that's how I still think most young Australians should start. Like that ninety percent loan, although it's high risk, is brilliant for return on equity. But just don't stick at that strategy. I see hundreds of buyers agents out there all telling you to buy 10 plus residential houses. Why do they say that? From a business point of view, it means more commission. You know, that's by many houses. So calling out the industry, that's that's why they do it. You know, do they tell you to build a sustainable portfolio? You know, where you should be building income high enough, maybe buy less properties, but higher value ones with better income? No, because it doesn't suit their business model. So bit typical isn't it yeah it's a, it's a bit biased but um but yeah look we we were in that position where we saw clients go oh, i want another property and you can get into the habit of just going and buy you know 10 houses i had clients buy 10 houses through me when we were more residential back in 2014 15 16 it worked back then because you could get your six and a half percent net yields in capital cities but uh and interest rates weren't as high as they are today but You don't follow that strategy anymore you've got to adapt with the market and it's a very different market now commercial may not be perfect in 10 years we don't know but for now it is we will adapt if commercial is not suitable as well we're not going to blindly stick to this you know this agenda if it doesn't work but for now mathematically works the banks are still flexible you can still buy good commercial properties you know under a million dollars in in all parts of the country nearly Okay, so I can see the engineers' mind come
0: <laughs>
1: loud and clear there. But uh, again, back to your
2: portfolio. I know you 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 both started off pretty heavy in uh, in resi. You bought a lot of apartment blocks, which which are yeah great investments. It is are back in the days when you're getting higher yields. Those yields have come off, so you made that that pivot, that transition yourself into yeah commercial property, and that's the focus. But the, the same applies inside of Rethink. investing. You started off largely supporting people on residential sales purpose, uh, purchases. Can you tell me that inflection point? Do you remember the conversations, meter where you said, no, the game is commercial for this business?
0: Yeah. Well, um, I guess, I don't know. I guess for me it was more, you know, I think commercial is a game changer for us at least. You know, we, for myself, for example, you know, diverging into that, number one, it's a bigger challenge. Number two, it's more, you know, I find it's, you know, yes, big risk in that respect, but it's, it's more security, longer tenancies, you know, um, not as much diddly dallying compared to our residential portfolio. So it was a lot easier to manage to just buy it, leave it, forget it. And that's exactly what I wanted at the time. And still now, I guess so. Still there. Yeah. And, and,
1: and commercial, did you any resin at all? Yeah. Especially so usually you got commercial. So as I said, resi is really good for the guys just starting out. They might have less than a hundred thousand deposits. You know, sure, go get an 85, 90% loan and stretch your money. Like the power of leverage is the reason real estate works so well in this country. You know, without leverage, you wouldn't touch residential or, you know, even commercial would be less attractive here. Yeah. Just stick it in bonds for no risk, but you can leverage and these assets all grow over time. And like we've got some really interesting stats in the book where we've actually basically looked up the square meter rates of um, the types of buildings you buy in both industrial, retail office and compared the same square meter rates till today and they're all growing around sort of five six percent per annum and if you look over that same time period residentials are high six percent. so it's almost the same growth so you know if you're getting six seven percent growth long term that's pretty good result for any asset if you're leveraged so we do resi but we definitely set them on a path to get to commercial so by resi being a mechanism or a utility to get to yeah,
2: to the prize, which is commercial yeah. property. And and I, I read in the book, um, uh, your stats sort of uh, post-GFC and, and post-COVID, uh, what Australians tend to remember, and, and this is not a sort of stocks versus shares type thing, but uh, you saw how the ASX 200 come off during those periods of time. And you look at property, what people need to remember about property, if you're choosing property as an asset class, so you had two powerful partners when it comes to the property investing. Number one is, is leverage, which means banks are happy to have a bit of skin in the game, because how so they make their money. Uh, that's the value of their balance sheet. So they're happy to invest or co invest with Australians in property. And number two is the government. Uh, the government structurally uh, wants Australians, Australian mum and dad investors largely, to be providing um, property for rent. Uh, that's the way we're geared. That's where we're built. We've gotten sort of build to rent type schemes coming in right now, but 90 plus percent of all um, rental stock is still owned by the Australian mum and dad investors. So they're two big friends that have on your side. If you get it right,
1: uh, they're going to stick around. Exactly. And that's why I was, you, you know, I know we all have a bit of a laugh when the latest Doomsday merch comes out of the US saying, oh, it's going to crash 50%. What they fail to predict in their models is the government will always do something last minute to try and protect it. So no matter how bad things look, they will not let it fail. You know, it's all too big to fail circumstance because... Everyone will be worse off if property fails in Australia, even if they don't own one. Um, the rental market will get tighter. The, you know, the, They're basically going to have to put more people on pensions and all sorts of stuff. You go on for 10 minutes in that department, but property needs to succeed in Australia. And uh, they'll do what they can to keep going, you know, in more immigration, you know, and they're not building enough. So I'm quite bullish over the next five years, like for both commercial and residential, like there's not enough building going on in this country. There's... There's just uh, a lot of money flowing into this country too. Um, bill costs have gone up. So just the supply, like existing stock is going to be worth more money. It just has to.
2: And this is the fuel for, for the Australian economy and, and therefore Australian business. We spoke about it for, for years that you know commercial properties, again, on the economy, it's a game of business. So you want business to be thriving to succeed in Australia, fueled by immigration growth, fueled by you know Australia being an attractive place to live. And we have our problems and challenges. We only saw... Um, only recently a new premier in um, <laughs> in uh, in in Melbourne or Victoria, uh, and the first thing they said was we need to sort out housing the housing problems. Now, you know the state governments have skin in the game. Also, they they generate quite a lot of money through housing transactions, whether it was uh, state duty or it's uh, land tax. So everyone's in there, everyone's yeah. in there. However, you know discussion around commercial property. What advice would you give me if someone kicking out, kicking off in in their property investing journey with uh, maybe an eye towards being a commercial investor?
0: Um, I guess, um, don't be afraid in that respect, but also know that it's not gonna be a breeze either. So expect that, you know, hiccups can happen and that's okay. That's all part of the journey. It's about learning. You know, if you if you don't learn, how are you gonna to progress to the next one? There's always something that might happen, but it's okay to keep an open mind and just make sure the numbers are stacking up.
1: you, score. Cool starting off again what would you do different just don't fear it you know understand it like that that's the old um you know most people that don't invest they just because it's you know those myths oh it doesn't grow or oh, the vacancies are forever going to be long um they just see it as risk and i did it as well when i first looked at it you just got to get educated hence why we release things like this book it's it's just to show it's not the it's not the thing to fear. If you understand it, you can kind of maneuver around the risks. Um, I don't, I actually view it as lower risk because I understand it. Yeah. I think more than residential these days, there's a lot more stuff out of your control or residential, like market sentiment of that, but commercially, you can see the numbers, like to the decimal point, what it should be running for. And you know, what the, you know, what, what inbuilt rental growth you've got on it, so it's, it's a lot more spreadsheet driven, so. Uh, as long as it's not a, an area with a heap of vacancies, probably okay. So so with much problem being so
2: interested and connected with with the economic sort of fortunes of Australia, do you obsess over, you know, the, the papers every morning looking at CQI data and job rates and like does does he do this? Yeah. He does the old hall.
0: Every two seconds of the day. I am surprised he sleeps. <laughs>
2: Oh, but I reckon he's probably with Clark, but I'm going to them.
1: Uh, I like, yeah, even going to, like, different countries. Like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. What's, what's the economy happening there? Like, just to understand the different problems. But it's all related. And, yeah, like, it's a lot more interesting than reading, like, you know, current affairs, like, you know, what's going on with two neighbours and, you know, all that garbage on the news. Like, this this is the real world, in my opinion. So you actually like it? Like, do you, you get yeah. these- it because if you understand the economy and you can kind of see into the future a little bit depend like depending on what how deep you go like you can at least predict the next six months quite accurately mm-hmm. I think. and you have a large or a bullish confidence level then
2: on despite some of the challenges sort of facing the economy which yeah yeah too much for this podcast but you, you're happy to back commercial property.
1: yeah yeah 100 percent and i was saying that the moment to fear commercial is when rents start dropping that's your your gauge. So, you know, and, and we'll hopefully be doing this podcast when that happens and we'll be saying, all right, well, this this is a time to sit back. And, uh, like it's probably happening in the office market right now. Like vacancy rates are probably over, they're, they're upward, up 15 odd percent. I have seen some pretty alarming reports coming in, yeah. but that's just the nature of the game. Yeah, and what's gonna happen in that market is it's gonna drop in value to the point it's equal to residential. And then they're gonna start filling it up with people. Uh, But there's got to be probably a 20, 25, 30% price correction before that happens. So towers aren't going to be useless. They're just going to change their usage and a lot of them won't be suitable. And you have to spend a lot of money on it. And that means more loss for the current owner. Um, so yeah, there's different sectors of the economy, but, um, yeah, you don't always buy, but I think, you know, potentially rate drops next year, bill costs have gone up, you know, you're. Developers can't make much money these days. So, if you're buying existing stock, the, the pipeline ahead of you, in terms of a supply point of view, is quite weak. And that's good because mm-hmm. less supply means less competition. And um, yeah, for that reason, I'm quite confident. Yeah. And you, you have the turn. And a lot of people,
2: well, most people investing probably because they're chasing some sort of choice or retirement or whatever that looks like. Everyone has their own version of it. Yeah. And I think when people get there, as you've done, you sort of go, oh, well, maybe there's a little bit more lit in the tank. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm not a big fan of the terms like financial independence, financial freedom. It seems to be the sort of stuff that gets peddled on TikTok with people that probably shouldn't be providing advice. But I, I know putting your clients down a pathway for giving them that choice and that option, whatever that version is of it for them, is a big driver for how you approach your, your clients. Uh, Mina, is 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 that the point of satisfaction and and passion? Also, is like, do you like seeing people who have like yeah, you know, you change stuff for it.
0: Yeah, and look, and this is the thing. I think this is something that hasn't changed since we started everything investing in general. You know, we believe in what we do. You know, we, we're not going to lie. When We will tell you as it is, which is really a nice thing. We will advise, we'll help, and we want to see you succeed at the end of the day, you know, because if I, I wouldn't recommend something to some, or commercial property to someone, unless I physically haven't, wouldn't buy it myself. I would never put someone in that position. So seeing that satisfaction in people trying to achieve that those goals, whatever it may be, um, is great. It's fantastic. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah. yeah.
2: And how do people normally thank you if you've done a good job?
0: I don't know.
1: Do they? Uh they just expect No, no, they're they're very grateful. Like most of them yeah. are quite private. Uh especially the more wealthy ones. They they hide hide everything. Yeah. Um But yeah, like between us we've got really good conversations. You've become connected to them for life as well as you know a lot of them so it's not just you know getting a google review here or there like you you are getting probably that loyalty from them as a client so most of our clients would buy you know, on average probably three properties and, and that's in our current lifespan so the business will age in time so they'll end up buying more properties so it, we're not once off you know transactions and because that doesn't really suit us as a business you know with all the marketing and the costs and that just to do one sale with a client. it's And then you've got to build the trust at the start. Like that's not really as fun as as a return client coming back. And then they know how the previous one went. So my greatest satisfaction is like that next and the third and the fourth property. And some of the clients have been with us since like, you know, since days so yeah. from the very beginning.
2: So do you think you'll, you'll get to a point, you're going to stick with this. So you get generational clients where. You know, mum and dad introduced the kids saying, Come on, it's time to start. It.
1: Yeah. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, well it's a lot of it's gone the other way where the kids have signed up, bought a property, and then the, the dad's caught wind of it, or the mum or the uncle are you up to. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then they come in. So uh yeah, it definitely goes both ways, which which is a good sign of trust. And and
2: thinking about your your business as a commercial uh operation, uh you you would have your challenges in that. Uh, and, you know, the the attitude or awareness towards commercial property, et cetera. And I think this podcast in many ways has helped shape a lot of people's opinion. That goes to your point around education. But if more people sort of are looking for really good commercial assets, we've spoken about this a lot. There's not a lot of really good commercial assets out there. So make sure to job a lot harder, a yeah. lot harder. How do you sort of, how do you, how do you rationalize that?
1: Well, it is the limiting factor for our business growth. So we could generate more clients and that just creates a longer waiting list. Um, we're limited by the quality of properties. So I think there's about 17, 18 odd thousand transactions per year in the commercial space. Like it's in the book, um, the exact numbers, but residential is 550 to 600,000. So that's why the residential space is more well-known. There's more buyers agents, there's more sales agents. Everyone knows about it, understands it. Commercial is niche and it's smaller. And a lot of those assets are worth fifty million plus as well. So there's only a small segment of that market which is even within reach, and probably 90 percent of it's junk. You know, it's overpriced, or it's a vacant sale, or the building you know at the end of its useful life. So we're really painstakingly sifting through it, and that's the buyer's agency's service. Like we we review probably three four hundred properties per week, and out of that, you're buying. Probably five, six, six of them um, for clients. Uh, yeah. Not many really make it through it. So do you know, when you see one straight off the bat, you go, yeah, this one, this is worth digging yeah. into a lot more straight away. Like get a pretty good filter. Yeah. You, within five seconds of looking oh, like you see the yield, the look is, there's always a bit of, you know, as unemotional as you can be, yeah. uh, an ugly property will always struggle to, you know, capture the imagination of someone wanting to own it, um. But yeah, it's you know straight up if it's a good deal or not. But then there's booby traps in it as well. And That's the whole point of our due diligence team. They go and call the tenant, check the square meter rates, look into the legalities of the floor space, and the I've seen it gets very grey. And yeah. you need to be very if you don't know what you're looking for, uh,
2: you, you can overlook quite a lot. So now that's what your team does is to yeah look under every single corner. So tell me about the book. Did you enjoy reading? not it's not really a rewrite it's it's updating it how who did it how did you do it was it sort of at nine over a couple of wines and you sit down and work together on that top facing each other I, I,
0: I guess um you know I'd, I'd probably say it was over a couple of wines yes definitely no but it was it was really interesting I mean we just read through the whole book we went through the logistics of what's changed as well and and the commercial part of it as well so we put a lot more examples in there, a lot more details in regards to You know the analysis of it how to manage them there's a whole lot of extra detail there that wasn't there before which is great and you know things that apply now that we kind of go oh no that does that's not right you know and we it in that respect in that way but it was it was really great doing it yeah i definitely did it was really nice
1: not as much just
0: because
1: my my attention span was like you're worrying about the next deal, probably. Yeah, 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 I think if I had nothing else to do, it'd be more enjoyable. But yeah, like you, I'm so busy every day. It's like, yeah. how do you find that extra hour? And then when it's spread out, the real trick is to remember what you wrote and mm-hmm. then what, differentiate what was in an email to a client or what's in the book, like where's the information. So yeah, it was tricky. And um, every page we wanted a bit of value in it too. Like the first book, the reason I reread it, the main reason is I felt that the first one was a bit rushed. So we did it right at the end of COVID and, um, I don't know, the business has matured a lot since then too. So it didn't reflect the quality of the business and, you know, it was a great entry, like the tens of thousands of copies were sold, but I just wanted a, something a little bit more like evergreen. So this one talks about higher interest rates. It goes into the impact of COVID, like the f- percentage of, you know, drops in values and compare it to shares and resi property. Um, there's just more detail, a little bit more, um science in the book which which is useful when someone's spending potentially millions of dollars on property so um yeah it's it's the end book we're not going to probably do another one today, no. i don't think he'll tell me it's a it's a bestseller um and and you'll know the difference with this one because it's got
2: this yellow top on top of it so you can actually go and find it all over the place um no doubt in the airports and and elsewhere and online um so that's it no more books this is it There's not going to be a third edition, but you speak about maturity. We spoke about mindset before, how, how different do you both think about commercial property today than what you did even
1: two, three years ago during the COVID pandemic? I'm just a lot more confident again, like it's just more thousands of hours into it. So, you know, we went through COVID firsthand, like we had, we saw, you know, we had 45 contracts under, um, the book mentions, and then 16 of them ended up getting through to settlement. And those 16 clients that stuck through it made me into dollars because they got rapid capital growth out of it. so we've really experienced how much capital growth commercial gives you so that that's a new thing because mm. we were still going off the the old mindset that it grows much slower
2: and good good yield but it yeah
1: grow. and I honestly thought that three four years ago because if you try Google commercial growth, you don't get anything. you'll see some recent reports from like the major, colliers jlls you know night Frank's of the world but that data stops um you know in the mid-2000s it doesn't really go back yeah. far you can't get this stuff so but it's so niche to your point there's less than twenty
2: thousand yeah commercial real estate transactions so you don't have businesses like realestate.com but are you really focusing on it because there's no money in know half a million resi ones so they going to go elsewhere but do you have any um sort of trends for the future uh for commercial real estate, is going to
1: be more of the same, or do you think there'll be different opportunities emerging over time? So the big trend, I think, is going to be demand versus supply. So what that—that's why I bring up that amount of people buying residential versus commercial. Like yeah. even if twenty thousand residential investors come over, you've effectively doubled the demand versus supply ratio. So I think there's going to be a trend long term of lower yields. So that means cap rates are going to compress because more people want this and there's not enough of it worth buying. And relative to to residential, it's still two to three times better net yields. So why wouldn't you buy it? I think that gap will close. It's too, too different, especially when growth rates are the same. So um, that means above average capital growth as long as the economy is doing okay.
2: So it's supply and demand. There's going to be more people wanting good commercial assets, which will therefore positive pressure yeah. on prices. But... In line with that is going to drive down yields
1: yeah and the the key word is good commercial assets like so this is a general comment like office is not in flavor at the moment there are some great office investments like some regional cities freehold type properties yeah go for it but again it's the supply rate you know supply demand ratios have to be fine like you know that's the most basic economic equation like you know prices is dictated by those supply demand ratios so you just got to go where that demand will outstrip supply. Right now, it looks like industrial, you know, central retail, you know, anything freehold in a capital city or a major regional centre is going to hold its value. Like, there's a lot of gold out there, and a lot of risk as well. If you're sort of buying in small towns that are getting bypassed by highways, or you know, if if you're uh, in a flood zone and it's getting worse, like you know, th- these are risks. But that that'll apply to any asset. Sounds like you and your have your work kind of and for you mina in terms of you know future
2: opportunities for for the portfolio you manage your portfolio do you you think that's going to change much how you
0: um evolving wise i think i've actually gotten to a stage where you know at this stage i'm looking to you know potentially evolve into more commercials or more intrinsic different ones you know or even to, to be honest um you know development you know next to it you know, next to one that you may have purchased. What's around there? What can you do there? Can you build something extra to accommodate and I guess give you a better income and, you know, better growth in general for the properties you already have existing? How can you benefit yourself more? How can it benefit by making it better in that respect? So, you know, building is is a very interesting part of it. I think, you know, helping it grow in that respect is a very interesting part of it. But also, you know, maybe, you know, Eventually, over time, getting rid of those commercial, those residential ones, excuse me, and putting that into more commercial and various parts of Australia, not just one bucket. So it's never ending, I think, roller coaster, which is really nice.
2: How do you know what to focus on at any given time? Because you're thinking forward to the future and where those Mm -hmm. opportunities are versus, you know, the day to day, mundane, sometimes Mm -hmm. onerous administration. Mm -hmm connected with with the portfolio. How do you, how do you, how do you balance that out?
0: I guess, I mean, that's why, I guess, as mentioned earlier on, you know, the chaos of a year and a half ago to now is a massive difference. So, you know, there are a lot of spreadsheets involved. There's a lot of mundane day-to-day, you know, admin stuff that you have to do. Got good relationships now with a lot of, you know, different parties that have accommodated, you know, whether it's lending and, you know, our, you know, solicitors and, you know, the people on the ground, you know, taking care of those properties. But moving forward, you know, just opening up to more horizons and being able to, I guess, bigger things with it. How can we maximize, you know, what we have? What can we do to accommodate, you know, I guess, the best outcome for those properties? And it may be that, you know, this one in particular, it's as much as it will be growing in this particular time, maybe we utilize it for something larger later. And just diverging that way over time. So ever growing, I wouldn't say I'd stop.
2: Stop staying. Definitely not. How are you finding lending at so the moment? Are banks still happy to invest?
0: They do. It's hard. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's very interesting. You know, once again, if you have a good group of people that have knowledge behind them as well and know what they're doing, you can definitely, you know. And this is a part of my day-to-day job. You know, looking at the whole portfolio as a whole, what have we got in every section of? Every investment that we have, can we refinance? Do do we want to refinance? What can we pull out from one to put into another? So all that jingling around, and we and we trust them, which is great. You know that personal relationship makes a huge difference.
2: And and in terms of locations, whether it's it's your personal portfolio or that that for your clients, um, any 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 sort of specific regions or locations, I, I know you you're comfortable operating outside of the capital cities when it makes sense.
1: Yeah, so it's all about sort of where the value is and uh, it can it starts down in the rent value i think so if you can see there's you know affordable rents for certain areas versus others that's where there's potential more upside and the upside of the rents will obviously flow through into capital value in time so yeah there's uh, there's a lot of good areas and especially with these interest rates being higher it's made those lower yielding markets they've got punished more so there's less opportunity there but ones with six percent or better net yields they're still in demand, like, as hard as, you know, as much as ever. So um, all capital cities are on the cards. Um, within reason, it's just got to be at least, you know, five and a half, six 6% net yield. And because then obviously you're covering your bases with debt, you know, if you're up 30% debt at least, sorry, 70% debt, you, you'll still be positively geared. And, and you yeah, know, like, so we're, we're like, full disclosure, we're very busy in places like Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, uh, Hobart, Ponsesson, um, regional Victoria is great with 50% stamp duties. Um, the major regional cities as well that like we're kind of active everywhere. It's again, it's just going to make sense from a, from a yield point of view, number one, and that gets us in the market. And number two, it's got to be, you know, the fundamentals need to be right. Like, does that supply demand ratio make sense? Not just now, but like in the future. So you've got to look into what DA's potentials there are and, uh, you just get comfortable
2: in that way. Well it comes clear clearly through the book. You know, when you talk about your backyard being in all over straight, so you're not a hamstrung to any particular suburb or location. You're a new yeah. church when it comes to the numbers stack up and and the long term yeah. um uh, fundamentals of the property stuck up, it's it's worth investing in. So it sounds like you're not stopping at any point soon in, in the portfolio or, or the business. Give me a vision or a view to, to ten years from today, it you know?
0: Um, Maybe another 10, but more if possible, you know, and maybe diverging into, you know, different areas that we haven't currently stayed in, you know, we've we've got, like Scott mentioned, Brisbane and, you know, Queensland areas kind of where we have a lot and I, I don't like to have all my investments in one section. And we don't currently, but it'd be nice to get a few more in those other sections that we might not have as many. So yeah. definitely to
2: generate as class wise, I know you sort of in chemists and mm-hmm. fast food outlets and yep. uh, uh medical type but yep. on investments again, you'll whatever's relevant, whatever makes them financially.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's the thing. I wouldn't at the end of the day, if if five if, if we find an investment, yeah, the st- then numbers stack up, you know, um, the yield's great, you know. It depends on the tendencies as well, of course. You know, I, we wouldn't go for anything and anything, even if it's, you know, perfect, yes. But, you know, ultimately, yes, you know, those fast food pre joints are something I would go for. I would personally look at, you know, having an LD currently and we've got, you know, a KFC. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, we've got KFC. We've got a few different kind of those food outlets, stores, camps, warehouse, you know, yeah. those are really good quality. And for
2: the business, <laughs> I know there's, there's... Rethink, um... Well, there's a number of different rethinks these days, including yeah. legal capability and education capability, is 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 that as wide as you are going to get Scott with with the business and go deeper,
1: or are you can there's some oh, more rethinking somewhere. Probably not. I think there's like six different rethinks now, so um, we're going through. You love rethink, yeah. Well, that, that's the the key. We want to make all of them as equally strong. You know, like so, you know, we don't want little baby businesses and like, and what's the point? So we want to build them all up so they're kind of. You know, really improving that rethink ecosystem, you know, that trust, the good service. Um, it's a vertically integrated model where it benefits those who have invested you know, and supports them. So, you know, once you're in that, like that one-stop shop type thing, you can, you can do really good things for the client. And my sort of tenure goals is to get into... Things like, you know, I really enjoy getting into the renewables. Like it's very early on, like after the last podcast, we had hundreds of people reach out. So I apologize. it was the, oh, solar? Yeah, because yeah. we're getting into like EV charging stations and battery storage. Like that's, that could go anywhere, that business. So, uh, and that's exciting because I've done property for 10 years now, like there's not much more I feel like we could do. Um, so yeah, just keeping it different, but it still supports commercial investors and resi investors for that matter so and yeah for me it's about building the brand you know rethink investing rethink you know is is what's important and um i think about that a lot more than my own portfolio with with mina like and that's why we work it sounds like thing. Thing, right? you know, yep. you, you're, you're saying your lanes and yep. it's obviously
2: closely connected do you think you'll always be doing something you could easily now just sort of say yep. yeah that's enough I'll, I'll retire into a nice big fat commercial property portfolio
1: and and, and take it easy. You always be doing. I reckon <laughs> it'd last a month, and then I'd be like, "All right, now what?" Because yeah. what else are you going to do? Watch TV and play golf all yeah. all the time. Go for go surfing yeah. some <laughs> Yeah, where it gets, yeah. yeah, like surfing's an hour or so a day max. You know what else? And but no, you're um. It's just it's the game of business, which which I enjoy. Like I was always comfortable with business as a young kid, and like always comfortable looking at big numbers and taking what others would view as big risks. Uh, and I like that. So I'll probably just keep doing that forever. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, you don't have to stop right? you know, and again, it comes down to,
2: um, uh, you set yourself on a, a pathway for, for, financial freedom, if you want to call it that, yeah. uh, it just gives you options and choice. And if that choice is to continue to operate in income generating environments, that's yeah. okay. Exactly. It's okay. It's good. So the book, where can you get it? Where's the best place? What would you rather bookshop sales?
1: you get it online? Is it, is it available from your website? Yeah, so there's a little dedicated page on the website, so au. But um, yeah, all good bookstores have it. Uh, we just got notified they're going to put it all in the airports, which is it's a big win for books. Good later. Yeah. yeah, people are on a plane a lot and people still, people like, property yeah very, you know i reckon it's the only spot i've bought a book from <laughs> right i don't know because you're waiting for a plane and you've got nothing to do so yeah see what's in the book section but yeah so um yeah it should be on all shelves from now okay that's good well this is probably one of the first copies i'll imagine so yeah we can just see
2: right here uh go and check it out and uh i think i've done a pretty good job not giving too much away
0: i think so yeah i think we're doing pretty so, good be have in there as you yes.
2: go on do um uh, Nina and Scott Thanks for your time today. I really enjoyed it. Was really nice to meet
0: you. Thank you very much good. for having good. me on this
2: way. I can see how this works. Uh,
0: uh,
2: You've got you. something going yeah. on and, uh, you know, your success, um, not only building your own portfolio, but, but being able to build a, a business which is supporting other Australians to hopefully emulate that same journey and give them that choice is, is something which you must find quite satisfying. So, yeah, well done. Thank it's you really very good. much. Thanks awesome. for doing it. You know, we'll be back um, again next month. We'll probably get into more of the nitty gritty stuff scott back to the usual stuff to the usual stuff yeah' you got any questions or we're happy to cover anything at all around commercial property i'm not the expert this guy is and, and and so is Mina. um we're happy to to cover anything what's the best way to get in touch with you guys
1: just google rethink investing nice and simple and uh yeah look we've, we've got some great new staff on board and more capacity so uh yeah even if it's just for a chat that's it just, just, just reach out
2: okay nice one well thank you thanks Junior, and everyone uh Everybody go and check these guys out, Reeking Investing. They're across all the social channels as well. We'll be back again next month. Until then, bye-bye.